0: Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studio,
1: it's time for Family Business Radio. Showcasing outstanding family businesses and the advisors who assist them. Good afternoon. You're listening to another episode of Family Business Radio. I'm your host, Anthony Chen. Today, we have two amazing guests, uh, Eric Holtzclaw with Liger and Maxwell Bentley from Bentley Media to kind of kick us off the show. Welcome to the show, Eric. Thank you so much for having me. Great. Thank you for coming and uh, sharing your story. So kind of share with our audience what got you into marketing. (laughs) it's a long
2: path and this is an accidental company. So, you know, some people have accidental children later in life. I had an accidental (laughs) company. This was not on purpose. Oh, we'll do share. Yeah. So at the age of five, I either wanted to be president of the United States or work for IBM. Mm -hmm. One of those two, I still guess I could potentially end up with being president, but I did end up at IBM very early in my career, Mm -hmm. went to school for computer science major, realized I didn't want to program computers the rest of my life Mm -hmm. uh, and ended up running development shops here in Atlanta kind of in the early nineties. Uh, about the time of the dot-com bust and nine eleven, I was doing a lot of traveling and that was a great time to start a business, mm-hmm. you know, like, Hey, either you're going to run out of money completely or <laughs> do something crazy. So started a research firm and owned that from 2002 to 2012 and sold that business in 2012 and said, I'd never start another business. So mm-hmm. that was kind of like, not going to do it again. I'm just going to be a consultant to some uh, CEOs who were scaling their businesses. And as I would start to scale their businesses, they would hand me their marketing department. Cause marketing right now is a combination of technology and understanding your customer. Mm-hmm. So my background worked really well in that kind of category. So at some point I looked back and I wasn't doing operational work for them anymore. And I was managing six different marketing departments for six different companies. And I have an assistant who's worked for me since like 2010. And she gave me one of those talks on the way home one night. She's like, I was about to sign another client. She's like, so you want a seventh job? Cause you like basically have seven jobs. I was like, eh, you're right. Like, if I were advising myself, I'd tell myself, this isn't a consulting or you've got a company. And So I took my company and merged it with another, which is how we ended up forming Liger in 2018, right before everything in the whole world decided to switch and change. So, yeah, we, uh, Liger is a combination of a lion and a tiger. So we brought those two events, you know, those two things together because it was strategy and execution. Mm-hmm. And it is named after the movie Napoleon Dynamite. Oh. And so either you love the movie or you hate it. Mm-hmm. So I have a set of friends who we made them watch it once and they still have never forgiven us and they can't believe I named a company after it. But mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> it is named into that. So if you come to work for the company, there's a lot of Napoleisms in the, in the company. We have a, one conference room is called Tater. The other is called Tots. So the uh, our owl, which does our conferencing, is called Tina. So there's a lot of things that kind of reference to the movie. So
1: yeah. Uh, uh, so so you're not only are you marketing to the world, the kind of employees and funds you know, oh, like yeah. to have. Or I mean, imagine the kind of niche clientele that comes over and right? he gets in with the inside joke.
2: They do. They either don't get it at all and they call <laughs> us, you know, Liger or Legere or something. And I'm like, no, it's Liger. So,
1: uh-huh.
2: or people come in and are like, are you named after the movie? And I'm like, yeah, we're named after the movie. And then mm-hmm. they're very excited about
1: it. Right. Well then uh, that's when you know they're the right client. That's right. And I've done a lot of businesses.
2: So, most of them have been boring. They've been like tech or whatever.
1: Mm-hmm. If you're going
2: to do a marketing firm, you need to have some fun. So this one, you know, we got to, we got to have a lot of fun with it.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. So you mentioned in terms of like kind of combining the fun of marketing with, with kind of tech. Now, when people think of tech back then, they weren't thinking of like the Silicon Valley of today where you've got your your, your ballrooms and your whatever pool tables. How do you kind of break down, I guess, for lack of a better word, the of like an IBM or, or corporate into something looking at marketing as more of a fun message to portray across.
2: Yeah. Well, so Liger focuses specifically on B2B. Mm -hmm. So we do B2B marketing, which is the most boring marketing. So if you think about B2C, you know, you get to sell soda and t-shirts and the greatest newest thing on Instagram Mm -hmm. B2B is, you know, we're in financial services and insurance and all that. And so our mission statement is saving the world from boring, broken marketing. And B2B marketing is either boring or it is broken or it is both. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't have to be like we are all humans. And when you're buying in the B2B space, the only difference between B2B and B2C is that B2B is a much more dangerous decision. Mm -hmm. So if I choose to work with your company and it's a B2B decision, I may work with you for the next 12 months. My boss may think that I look like an idiot if I chose you, Mm -hmm. if I do something in the B2C world and it wasn't a great choice, you know, maybe I lost 50 bucks, right? I bought a product that was kind of crazy. So we apply all of these kind of principles that are used in the B2C world to get people to pay attention, to recognize the brand, and to trust it into the B2B space. It allows us to escalate the companies that we work with. Our tagline for the year is be known, Mm -hmm. because most of the B2B companies we work with are not known. And so how do we elevate them and get them in front of the awareness of the buyers who would be interested in working with them?
1: Which then kind of leads to the next question, of why is it that the atmosphere where B2B, as you say, kind of stereotypically boring? Is is it just because it's always been that way? And the answer is, oh, is it a way we've always done it? Or is there something more to it?
2: I think that there's this, you know, idea that in the B2B space, it's supposed to be those silly inspirational photos. You know, like it's <laughs> like, let's like out over a cliff and, you mm-hmm. know whatever. And that's not, that's not what you pay attention to. That all becomes noise. I went to a banking automation summit a couple of weeks ago mm-hmm. and I took a picture of all the booths out in the hallway. They were all blue. Like every <laughs> single financial services company picks the color blue. Right. So mm-hmm. like, if you're going to be different, if you want to stand out, pick some other color, do something that's going to make me pay attention to it. So yeah, this, this, it doesn't have to be so serious. It just literally, and it, and it's not as much fun when it is so serious. Mm-hmm.
1: So when when you're kind of sitting in the room, kind of throwing a a, a pitch with with the C-suite in terms of kind of shifting their message, are they, how, how are they receiving it? Because if this is all the way always they've done it this way, now you're kind of presenting. Hey, instead of blue, I don't know, let's go crazy like neon green.
2: I love it. Let's do neon <laughs> pink. Okay. Hmm. Uh, so we start off. We are strategy and then execution. So we start off and we look at the company just like anyone would who would be buying the company. So we take them through this process of an M and A of where are you headed? What does your business plan look like for the next two years? And then we're crafting the tactics and the marketing on top of that. So if you tell me you want to be here today and you want to be somewhere else two years from now, I have to figure out how I can build a road that gets you from here to there. Mm -hmm. And so we're continually bringing them back to their goal. So like you've told me you want to be one of the top, whatever company in the next two years, the way to get there is by following this path. And we're also prescribing to them a couple of choices. So it's very difficult if you work inside a company to describe the company yourself, you Mm -hmm. can't read the label from the inside of the bottle. Mm -hmm. So we are reading the label and determining what the business looks like. And we'll come back to them and give them very distinct choices of how they're going to move forward. So it's like, okay, based on our discovery session with you, here's two or three ways that you can go to market. And once you make that choice, you need to be very much behind it because any washed out marketing is ineffective. You want it to be visceral. You want it to make people talk about it. And so To get these stodgier people who are in these conference rooms, the reason they've hired Liger is they know what they've been doing in the past isn't working. Mm -hmm. They're not getting the traffic they're looking for. They're not receiving that right kind of conversion. So we've got to back them back to what's your brand? What does the awareness look like? And how are we going to get people to pay attention in a world where the average human's attention span is seven seconds, a goldfish is eight So, we have the attention span less than a goldfish. So, how am I going to get it through all of that buzz? It's got to be something that kind of stands out.
1: Well, you caught me on the goldfish part. I'm thinking maybe my wife might have a point, (laughs) but that's a whole different conversation. (laughs) But what does stand out, what I actually now you're talking about, man, from my own heart, in terms of we're talking about succession planning, asking what the goal is or the future goal of the business, whether they're looking to sell to, Three, four, five years, or looking to grow. Yep. So, kind of share with the audience, like, well, what would be the difference in terms of marketing strategy when a business is looking to sell, let's say, five years from now, versus, let's say, ten or one. We're not looking at selling for as in short term, at least.
2: I mean, that's a really great question. So, when you're thinking about marketing, a lot of companies are bought because of the multiples they receive from what people perceive of the company, and mm-hmm. that's all about marketing. So I can make one product look great and it's the exact same product somebody else has just based on marketing and get better multiples. Mm -hmm. So if you tell me two years from now, I want to sell it, I'm going to run a completely different set of tactics. I may put more display in place, things like that to really get you in front of uh, potential buyers and people who need to know the brand. Mm -hmm. If you're telling me I want to grow it organically over time, then I may do some things that are around content and making sure that it's kind of got a steady growth and you just plan to keep it privately. Right. Mm -hmm. So, knowing what that is, knowing what that goal is. I I talk about, um, I could say to you, let's go on a skiing trip and you immediately think of snowing, snow skiing. And I think of water skiing. So like, we got to define what does this mean? What does success look like? So part of the discovery process, we do what's called a roar analysis Mm -hmm. because we're like, (laughs) so reality opportunities, aspirations, and results. And in that fourth bucket, where are we going to be in two years? And how do we know we got there? What is our you know, increase in revenue look like? Do we have another set of ideal customers on the board? How many employees do we have? Like, what are those tangible numbers that we're meeting towards? Mm-hmm. And if it is to sell the business, let us know. You want to sell it in two years. We're going to approach it completely differently than if you're like, no, I'm, I just want to grow it and I want to grow it in a nice steady fashion. because often when you're growing a business, you're not growing it in a way that's the most, uh, easiest <laughs> internally mm-hmm. from a financing and otherwise.
1: I like the, the acronym with Roar, especially with the, you let off the first with reality. Now I imagine there's a lot of clients you work with coming with these grand ideas. Yeah. Like, h- how do you kind of help them filter or navigate? Hey, there's this pie in the sky ideal, but we got to come down the grad and here's what is actually, um, implementable if yeah. that's the right word for it.
2: Yeah. So if you think about it, so most you've always, people have heard of SWOT analysis, right? Mm-hmm. Strengths, weaknesses, opportun- and I hate them because a weakness is always an opportunity. And as an opportunity, we, like, you're like, eh, what does that mean? Right. Mm-hmm. So, so roar is a, is a variation of soar. So most people will call it a soar, And I don't even remember what soar is anymore because that's not even what we use. But if you talk about roar is mm-hmm. where we fit, uh, we'll have people who we are future thinkers. So like your executive, who's like, Oh, we're going to do all this crazy stuff we don't let them talk a lot in that category. And if they do, we make the rest of the team members check what they're saying. Like, okay, so they're telling me that you do this really well. Uh Do you do this really well? And like, well, we could do that really well. And so then moving to opportunities, it has to be something that's happening in the next six to 12 months aspirations are 12 to 24 and then result is that kind of fourth category. So how do we look at what are you really good at today? How do we get you to where you could be in the next six to 12 months? And then what are some things maybe you could accomplish in 12 to 24 that are going to mean we're going to be successful in that fourth category of results?
1: Mm-hmm. So kind of take a our listener through as they know that they've been trying a lot of marketing strategies kind of in-house and it's just not really seeing the results. Um, and they're coming to you. What is, how was that first initial interaction like, and how do you kind of, what does it look like at, at client's eyes going through from part A, working with you or just having a consult and in part, let's say part Z, what it looks like in the end?
2: Yeah. So the, the problem with marketing is post 2008, it became a very complicated thing to do and it touches every part of your business. So you can't just hire one or two people to run your marketing department. You need people with lots of different specialized areas of skill. Like we have somewhere between 20 to 25 different skill sets internally. Mm -hmm. And we do interchangeable parts on the back end. So at the beginning, if we're rebranding you, we may need a really, you know, one of those ant designers who has all the big ideas and then move it to production design. So what we find is that companies don't have enough resources internally, so they can't really do it themselves. That's okay. I don't want to do my taxes. I hire an accountant. I want them to do them. Right. I don't even do my yard. I want a landscaper to do my yard you need to bring somebody in who's going to think about it in a different way and can incrementally use the right talent at the right time to move your business forward. You also are probably not being consistent. And number one problem is that people like we tweeted once it didn't do anything. We Put something on LinkedIn. We wrote an article, right? Mm-hmm. And the secret of content is content is not about when you share it. It's about what it does over time. Mm-hmm. What is the slow burn? So if I put out a piece of content today, I don't need to evaluate it in the first week. I want to evaluate it in the next three to six months and Mm -hmm. see if it's really giving me the right type of return. And we hear all the time we did that. It didn't work. Well, how many times did you do? Ah, like twice. (laughs) Okay. Well, if I went to the gym twice, I would not be healthy. If Mm -hmm. I decided to cut out ice cream only twice, I'd still, you know, like you got to associate it with anything else that takes a long time. This is not an easy thing to do specifically on the b2b side transactionally you can do things like give somebody a buy one get one or a 50 percent off or you know whatever when you get into b2b it takes 21 times to build awareness five to seven to convert after that you're looking at 28 times you've got to touch someone before they're actually going to become a customer Mm -hmm. and that can't happen it's not like the golf channel where they run the same ad over and over again it's got to happen over time and it has to be very purposeful
1: well then i guess kind of the next obvious question for the people that are listening oh wait you mean doing it twice or maybe if they go for the gusto three times, is it enough? (laughs) And you're telling them 28, 29 times all about planning. So (laughs) we, we build a
2: 12 month plan Um, and it's very solid in the first six. And we know that we're going to vary like the world changed here in the just past the past three months. There were big changes to the way that SEO is being handled. We've got mm GA four coming on board. Chat GPT is changing the world. Like you couldn't be in a more interesting tumultuous time as it relates to your marketing. Mm
1: -hmm. So for those that are listed, okay, now you're giving me a, a metric of, okay, I need to do, do more than just three times or three tries. <laughs> and now instead of looking at a one-week return, now i got to look at a year. So the, of course, for the business owner, as they're looking at, okay, I have to spend how much money in order to see, of course, at the end of the day, it's all about the bottom line, the ROI. Right. What is something that they can at least, for our listeners, one, you mentioned consistency. What's the other step that they're probably missing that they could take advantage of to help with their marketing.
2: So it's kind of fortuitous. We're announcing we've, we've built a B2B display ad network mm-hmm. and we're announcing that tomorrow officially. Mm-hmm. Um, so the thing with it that we see B2B companies doing is they're relying heavily only on organic. Mm-hmm. And so organic marketing takes longer. So take in, take six to nine months to start seeing a payoff. Mm-hmm. So if you want something immediate, you can follow the B2C playbook and you can do some stuff around some display ads, but you have to have the right type of offer in order to get someone to you know raise their hand and go through your wonderful demo mm-hmm. <laughs> or listen to your pitch. So applying dollars, which B2B companies don't really think about as often to your ad spend and those types of things is a great way to put some accelerant in place. Mm-hmm. Most B2B companies, regrettably, are still thinking about like print ads and things that don't work yeah. so or even email mm. so how can you bring in some things that like b2c that has to do a transaction has to do it quickly to your b2b environment and use it sparingly because you yeah. can get addicted to it and it doesn't always work over the long
1: run mm. now you mentioned the term organic growth a couple of times now for for certain business owners they may have a complete different time frame in mind you mentioned using you know six to nine months as kind of a, a good even then that might be a little Fast, depending on the industry that they're in. So kind of for, for our listeners, uh, help define what is organic because sometimes that word gets thrown around without yeah. a clear definition.
2: So organic is, you know, looking at the keywords of people that are what they're searching for to come to your site, not the keywords you think are important. Like don't make up your funny who cares? I don't care about the funny words about what your product is or what, how are people going to look for your product? Like, Mm -hmm. what is that? And how do we put yourself into the place that when people are searching for it, they're going to find your stuff and your content. And it isn't just your website, it's other places. And organic is, it's, it's, it's going to pay over time. I wrote an article for Inc in 2012 called 10 simple marketing tips. Mm -hmm. Now I really wasn't a marketer that at that point, I just needed something to write about. If you go and you Google 10 simple marketing tips, it comes up as one of the top organic search. And I don't think I like any of the things I would tell you to do. Right. Mm-hmm. But that's an example of having the right keywords in place, having the right site authority and pulling people in such that they're going to think about you as an authority. And the word organic is incredibly important. Like we're coming into the springtime. If I go and plant a plant now, I cannot do anything to make it mature faster than it needs to mature. Mm-hmm. So I have to like give it time, and marketing requires you to give it time. It's just, it's a long game. Don't come to me a week before you launch a product and ask me to apply enough marketing behind it to make it successful. Please come to me at least 90 to 180 days before you're ready to have that thing in field.
1: Mm. So, kind of now we're at least setting the expectation hey, if they're talking about organic growth, organic growth, they need to understand it takes, as you mentioned planting a seed and as far as it's just going to pop up the next day, unless you got a magic wand. (laughs) Now you mentioned uh, in terms of product release, preferably coming to you like 30 or 90 days. Like what what would be the ideal? Well, it's you
2: are looking for, we typically see the best flywheel about around a six month period. So, because if you think about 21 times, I've got to get in front of you for branding and awareness five Mm -hmm. to seven to do a conversion you know, ninety is good, but there's all you, know, you got. Thirty days of discovery. You got to build all the stuff. You got to make sure it's getting out there. We want to build some networks and things. Mm-hmm. So you know, thirty days is not enough to launch a product or launch a new service. You need to be further out mm-hmm. those kind of concepts.
1: And you mentioned in terms of the, the upper twenty range in terms of touchers or getting in front of the potential prospects and future clients. Like what are some of these avenues? You did you mention one of it being content? What kind of content?
2: Educational content. So if you're saying we, 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 I don't care. Tell me something that I can do with it. Like teach me how to do what you do. Mm -hmm. And if you do, I'm not going to want to do it. Like you could tell me everything about planning, you know, about putting a fence up or certain things. And I'm like, wow, that's really complicated. I should just hire you to do it. Like Mm -hmm. if if you're telling me all the steps, all the things that I need to do, I may not have the same access. You do that same background. We're in a world where people are willing to, pay people for their expertise and their knowledge. And honestly, if you can teach me how to do what you do and I can do it so easily, you really probably don't have a business. Mm -hmm. So this kind of concept of, Oh, we're going to give away our secrets. No, you're not. It's ridiculous. Like that's what every single show on HGTV or food network (laughs) or whatever is they're teaching you how to do it. But have you ever tried to make some of those restaurant restaurants? No, you're like, mm-hmm. nah. this doesn't look anything like or it tastes anything like what it looked like on television.
1: Yeah, you actually were kind of hit the down on my next potential question. is Sometimes uh, the pushback is, well, I don't want to give so much away that they can just do it themselves and not come to me.
2: Then they don't have a business. Mm-hmm. It's too repeatable. It was like too easy to steal. Like if it's literally that too easy to steal, then what do you think you're doing?
1: Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, if the business can be answered by Google or as you mentioned, yeah. a chat GPT. Now, now, of course, that elephant in room, chat GPT, like how is that shaking up? the marketing world. I love
2: it. It's my favorite thing in the world. It's never tired. It's willing to talk to me at three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I can teach yeah. it to talk like my customers. Uh-huh. I can build all kinds of headlines off of it. Like we, you know, we content and content has really been around often creation, but the, the real winners in the world are curators. They're people who curate other things. And mm-hmm. so chat GBT allows you to curate. We were trying to name a product last week And before it would be a thousand Google searches and whatever, we went into chat GPT and we're like, is any company in this industry using this product name? And it would be like, yes, this product is using it. Yes, Uh yes, yes. No, that one seems like it's fine. I'm like, do you know how many weeks and hours that would have taken? Like, I think it's an amazing, it's one of the like watershed changes of technology for us. Mm
1: So, because when that came rolling out, there's kind of two camps. Like one is oh, this, as you mentioned, all excited at in terms of being able to save time and then there's another camp. Oh, oh, this is like content writer apocalypse (laughs) where it is going
2: to take jobs. Uh That's absolutely the case. That's what happens with everything. Like Mm -hmm. if you think like, so if you go back prior to the smartphone, we had blockbusters, right? So there were people who were in tapes and you know, we bought books in the bookstore and all that, like all that stuff comes to electronically now. So those Mm -hmm. things, those jobs are not here anymore is the that is the way the world works. Mm-hmm. We evolve, we do new things, and you need to be able to upskill and change with the times.
1: Mm. So what is of course ChatGPT is already here. What other things do you see kind of around the corner in the marketing world that businesses should at least be aware about?
2: Yeah, I mean the I email has continued to fall out of favor and we have so many people who kind of rely on that as a a channel and it's just something that's so easy. It's like the, it's like getting stuff in your mailbox. Like actually literally send me something in my mailbox. I might pay more attention to that than if you send it to me over email Mm -hmm. (laughs) and uh, thinking through what the, social media network layout's going to be with all the kind of what's going on in Twitter and then LinkedIn seeing this sort of resurgence. But at the same time, I really feel like there needs to be, there's a gap, like there's some gaps and some opportunities in that space. And so what's that going to look like? Cause we're always telling our clients to at least bet on two. And we want to because you don't own anything on the social media network. So if LinkedIn decided to go bankrupt tomorrow, Mm. all that that you've built on LinkedIn doesn't exist anymore. Or if some crazy person takes over Twitter, Mm. your 30,000 followers on Twitter may not be as important or as interesting as they used to be. So how are you hedging your bets? It's uh, thinking similarly to working with a financial planner like what is the portfolio of my marketing and what are my bond components the things that are going to pay me over time and mm-hmm. what are the things that are sort of high risk and i'm should do a little bit of experimentation and what plays and what doesn't in those
1: wor- in those worlds mm-hmm. well thank you for weaving on the, on the financial side in on things now for our listeners are just kind of learning all of this how can they best find you So
2: LigerPartners.com is our email. or sorry, is our our domain, LigerPartners.com. And you can find me, I'm spending most of my time on LinkedIn. It used to be Twitter, so not on Twitter as much. But Mm. uh, LinkedIn is is the place that I I like to interact. And, you know, Slack, but not anybody's on my side. I love Slack. Favorite tool on the face of the planet. So, yeah.
1: Well, thank you. Thank you so much. All right. Next up, we have Maxwell Bentley with Bentley Media. Welcome to the show, Max. Hey, hey. Thank you for having me on. Right, So kind of share with our listeners the story of what
0: got you into videography. Yeah, so it was actually a medical mystery. I was born with a camera in my hand. I've always, always... (laughs) (laughs) It's a visual for you. Mm -hmm. I've always been into video production. Back when cameras had videotapes, I was always running around creating short films. And I had a bit of a reputation for filming everything that was going on around me, whether it was fireworks on the 4th of July, or my parents arguing. And my dad actually found out that I recorded them arguing, and he like, got super upset and ended up like erasing that videotape. So there's a whole story there. But in '06, when YouTube started and came into prominence, I got on. I was 13 years old, and I started creating videos about a game platform called Roblox. And if you have kids or you know anybody who has kids, you know that Roblox is a video game platform so kids can come on and create their own games. Mm-hmm. And I had a strategy of creating short, entertaining videos that brought characters from the video game into the real world. Mm. And I figured out how to monetize my videos before, and this, again, this is o six o seven. This is before anybody even knew what monetization was. Yeah. This was before Mr. Beast and all the big YouTube titans that we have today. Mm-hmm. And I was making probably two or $300 a month. And I thought I was rich. It was awesome. And fast forward a few years into that, I grow a subscriber base of about 30,000. Roblox catches wind of what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And they say, hey, we want you to create content for us. And they offered me my first, what effectively became my first freelancing agreement at 17. My dad actually had to co-sign on it. And I was writing, shooting, editing, narrating content, a weekly web series for them for once a week for about five years, just reviewing all the games Mm -hmm. that kids were creating. And from that, that was actually my main source of income for about five years, ended up creating an Xbox trailer later on, uh, an app trailer, just lots of different, I did some internal corporate videos for them. And then I get to college and similar story to Eric, actually, I got to college and I said, I want to study computer science. (laughs) And I thought that's what I wanted to do at least. I get in and I'm doing fine in the classes. I'm, I'm doing the programming and I'm, I'm reading the textbook and I'm super extroverted. So I go to class and I'm like, hey, did you guys catch the game? Like, how's everybody doing? And everybody's just like shying away from me. Like, oh gosh, it's that guy. Make him go away. And I decide while I'm in college, I'm still working with Roblox on a retainer. I decide I want to branch out and work with some more types of clients and just see what happens. Mm-hmm. And I'm 20 years old. I'm a millennial. I can barely think five minutes into the future, let alone five years. So I didn't have a plan. I didn't have, I had very, very limited business and marketing sense at the time. I just knew that I had a talent for creating videos that caught attention that I wanted to monetize somehow, some way. And so I, Created. Oh, I'll just call my company Bentley Media. Why not? And I created a Facebook page and I said, "Hey, you can hire me to create videos." And my alma mater, University of North Georgia, actually became one of my first clients. Okay. They helped. They wanted to create a video campaign about alcohol awareness, and i I was twenty dollars an hour at the time, and they wish I was still twenty dollars an hour. <laughs> let me tell you, but we they had an idea of, well, we want to put a university executive behind a desk. Have you film them and talk about why alcohol is, you should not drink. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't binge drink, you know, all these things. And this was actually a very early on. It's when I realized that I'm more of a strategy, a content strategy guy than just a videographer. That's going to say, okay, we'll do that. Mm-hmm. I said, This is not going to (laughs) work. You're not trying to reach grown responsible adults. You're trying to reach kids who are in the prime of their life who are going to try new things. Why don't you do this? Why don't we have other students come on camera, talk about how to drink responsibly, what to do when things go wrong, Mm -hmm. and just share their stories? And so we created this short video that was three minutes two to three minutes long, and I think it's actually still shown at orientations today. Oh. but we had prominent kids on campus just interview other kids, the man on the street style, "Hey, what would you do in this situation? What would you do if this?" And that actually did very very well for them. The video did very well, so that's how I knew that I was a strategy guy. And that's mm-hmm. how I knew th- that this is what I wanted to do because I enjoyed that. And so all these years later, I'm waking up every day just doing it full time. I've worked with some very pretty diverse clients. We've all the way from small business all the way to nonprofit fundraising and then even a few TV spots for players like Hyundai. And I I love it very much. I love just helping people identify the best version of their story that's going to capture attention, spark interest, and curiosity so that it feels like a particular audience segment. They feel like working with that company or that brand is a natural next step.
1: So I'm assuming they did not go with the president sitting behind it. (laughs) They did not. Probably a good thing. Yes, definitely. So... So, I'm going through this whole journey. Then I'm guessing, well, then the next obvious question is Did you change major or did you say, you know what? I'm getting on the job training. I think I'd rather spend time getting paid and going through college. Yeah, I left you guys on a cliffhanger there. Sorry yeah. about that.
0: Yes, I did. I realized that computer science was not my decision. It was actually my father's decision. Oh. And two years into CS, I was sitting in class studying how electricity flows through the CPU. <laughs> I was <Just> saying, <laughs> you can imagine uh, as a creative guy, as a marketing guy, you can imagine just my anguish. I was just like, were they still using switches back
2: then? They just teach you old crap for some reason. <laughs> yeah. I went to North
1: Georgia too. Yeah. Oh no kidding. <laughs> yeah. No, they were teaching awesome. me Fortran and Pascal. And oh Cobal. man. So <laughs> you, you didn't have like, uh, punch cards back then still. Do.
2: It was still like based on punch card technology, but by the time you were there, I hope it was
1: different. So So no, they were right.
0: teaching us punch cards, but they were showing like a diagram of zeros and ones and how they, you know, had, I really wasn't paying attention, but the, it was that day. Actually, I walked up out of class and I changed my major to film that day. And cause North Georgia, university of North Georgia had just come out with a film program. Oh, and I, it felt right. Of course, internally and just externally with the way my career was going mm-hmm. and the way I want in my gut just felt right. Yeah. And everybody thought it was a good idea except my dad. And I knew, it, so my father, we have a wonderful relationship. We've traveled the country together. He has always wanted the best for me. And as it pertains to college, he just wanted me to have job security Mm -hmm. So that day or maybe a week or two later when I felt confident enough, I took him to the nicest burger place I could find (laughs) Ted's Montana grill. I made sure he had a couple of beers in him and I said, dad, I got some news, which by the way, is a terrible way to start a conversation (laughs) with your folks. Think of any other way. I said, he said, Oh my God, you got so, you got a girl pregnant. <laughs> like, that was my first go to. And I'm like, dad, no. And he's like, you're a drug dealer. And I'm like, okay, first of all, we're going to have to have a conversation after this, but no, very
1: low confidence. Yeah. In you here.
0: And I said, dad, I'm, I'm changing my major to film and I'm, I want to start a video production company. Mm-hmm. And just to set the scene a little bit more, we're at this crowded restaurant Super packed. We're at this tiny high top table that Ted's has, and I just felt like there we're super close to each other physically, but I just felt like there's a lot of distance between us in uh-huh. that moment, and there's a big silence. And he said, "Son, you've got to get that CS degree, and this is tough as a twenty-something yeah. seeking, you know, approval from your parents and whatnot." And eventually, I said, "Dad." I'm going to make videos for people. I'm going to generate revenue from it and I'm going to love it. And I hope you watch me do it. And I hope you one day see how awesome this is going to be. And to his credit, three or four years later, he saw that what I was doing was lucrative and I was able to pull my weight. And he called me up one day and said, son, I'm happy for you. I see what you're doing. I see that you love what you're doing and I see that you're earning Income from it, and um, I support you. Mm-hmm. And that was a really big moment, professionally and personally.
1: Yeah, it took three years to, to win over, and, and funny enough, you're probably better off where you're at now than what's going on in a tech world. <laughs> yeah, absolutely.
0: So I I was told many times, though, that my CS experience wouldn't go to waste. Mm-hmm. And it has been helpful working on my editing rig or working on a Mac or a PC, if anything goes wrong, I can figure it out. And if there's, I've worked with systems like Zapier before for automation and whatnot. And no, you don't need any coding. If anybody's familiar with Zapier, you don't really need to know how to code, but you need to know how to identify where things are going wrong. If you've got, you need to put a space here. You need to put a semicolon here. You need to do this, this, this. Mm-hmm. And I know chat just as an aside, I know chat GBT is changing the game. With coding. And as we were talking about earlier, it's also changing the game with content. It's, and we're just inundated with content now. You Mm -hmm. open up LinkedIn or Facebook and you start scrolling, you see stuff all the time. And it's actually opened up a question about whether there should be some transparency around content that is fully or partially AI generated. Mm -hmm. And the, what I'm saying now is, Video is actually a great way to set yourself apart because video AI video hasn't quite gotten to a place where it's indistinguishable. I know we have things like deep fakes yeah. and whatnot, but the chat gpt I feel is a great way to come up with content or con- whether it's video or blogs, but you should never forget your character, and to put your own flavor and your own spice into it use your use some of your words and what you believe in because ultimately everybody was saying content is king and now with chat writing everybody's content now it's becoming character is king character mm-hmm. your values your what you believe in and your your what you understand as your strategy
1: so then kind of stepping back a little you talked about character In VR, there was a term you specifically pointed out. You can either just be a videographer or a strategist. Yes. Point out to our audience, like, what is the big difference? Because I don't want to put words in your mouth, mouth, but one is just kind of an order taker. And the other is you can look at the big picture.
0: Sometimes, yes. And this is not to throw shade on our videographers, but a lot of times this is what distinguishes someone who's just getting started in videography versus a seasoned expert. So someone who's just getting started will likely cave to what a client wants or recommends mm-hmm. or what type, you know, what they think might work. And that might work in limited situations but the difference between that videographer who's going to take a request and say, okay, I'll just do whatever they want. And then the client sends revisions and it's like, okay, we'll just do the revisions. You know, I don't want to cause a fuss. They don't want to cause a fuss. Mm-hmm. right? <laughs> and then the difference between that and a video marketing strategist is a strategist is going to ask you questions. They're going to ask, where's the cheese for you? Like what products and services are are selling? What is... What are your consumers paying? What are your what what are your audience segments paying attention to? Who are your audience segments? How old are they? What is their line of work? Because that's what helps us determine where they spend their time online. So obviously on LinkedIn, you've got professionals. Mm -hmm. If you're trying to reach Gen Z, you want to get on TikTok or Snapchat and create look into vertical content. And so by understanding when a video strategist understands not only your brand story, mm-hmm. your, your audience, they are then able to craft a compelling hook in a piece of video content. And that content can be at any awareness level from an audience who does not necessarily know you or maybe they're not super familiar with you. Of course, you want a s- shorter video, 15 to 30 seconds, mm-hmm. versus a, a film that will be presented at an event, or a gala, or a fundraiser on the nonprofit. And sure, you have their full attention in that room, so you can have a four to five minute film there that's going to inspire loyalty and create that movement that so many brands are wanting to create. Mm-hmm. So it boils down to how, and you can you can find out in a first conversation, how much of a strategist and how much of a advisor they're going to be versus just somebody who's just gonna create
1: video just for the sake of getting something moving. Mm-hmm. So then looking into the future, because you mentioned a little in the beginning about kind of quote unquote accidentally falling into this field. And not really sure how you, it wasn't the original plan. But now that you are in videography, you're kind of seeing all to fruition and really loving and enjoying your work, waking up every day, how do you see Bentley Media in the next five, 10 years? I love this question because it changes every year. If you had asked me five years ago,
0: I'd be like, yeah, you know, it might be more of an ego in play. Like, I want to have a huge company with hundreds of employees and, you know, do all this, 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 and this. Mm-hmm. And uh, ultimately, In as the next several years unfold, as technology unfolds, as it is, I ultimately want to be helping businesses grow, helping brands grow, help them reach their audience in unique ways that are going to set them apart from all the muck and the mire out there that's on social media, a lot, you know, just of content that it doesn't really stand out. Mm-hmm. I want to help people stand out. And I, of course, would love to work with brands on a global scale. I would love to travel around the world just telling stories about different organizations, different groups, mm-hmm. and ultimately build a company and build a, group, a brand where our staff and our clients feel successful.
1: So then kind of share with the audience, like, what was your most fun and interesting project you worked on yeah so we've had quite a few
0: we've had the most impactful it was actually last year there is a local non called meals by grace they're in north georgia they are a food ministry dedicated to helping feed hungry children in a nutshell mm-hmm. and they approached us. They said, Hey, we've got a fundraising gala coming up here pretty soon. We are wanting to show a film to inspire a support for our cause Mm -hmm. and maximize the amount we'll be able to fundraise. And from beginning to end, we worked with some very authentic people who were just on a mission who were who everybody from volunteers to some of the key players in the organization all the way to the clients that they serve, they were just super authentic. They, they, you could get, you could just tell that they woke up every day and just enjoyed what they were doing. Mm -hmm. And on camera that comes across extremely well. And we've actually gotten feedback over and over again that something that sets us apart is our ability to help people feel comfortable on camera so that they can share those stories and they can be vulnerable. And on that end, raising money for a nonprofit, you have to sh- you have to make people cry, but in a good way. Mm-hmm. Shed tears of hope, shed tears of compassion and empathy and gratitude. And we ended up creating a short film that helped them raise $200,000 that opening evening. Mm -hmm. And to see that kind of impact and to see that it was a project that we all enjoyed made me want to lean in to that vertical and just see what we can do. And we're testing a new strategy now where we are creating content at effectively no cost to nonprofits by helping them secure a sponsor and placing their logo in the video in a non-distracting way so that they receive that tax benefit and that marketing opportunity. And then the nonprofit receives that piece of content that without taking away from costs that would normally go towards operating or anything else. Mm -hmm. And so that's also part of the new direction we're going in, but Everything that we've done in that space, we've
1: absolutely enjoyed. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, absolutely. So, for our listeners who want to have a little piece of that emotion being able to be recorded and shown on film, that's not an easy task, especially getting someone that's kind of for the first time being filmed and having that guard down and being comfortable and just kind of staring. And a machine or a lens or having someone like yourself kind of coming in and understanding that vulnerability, how can they best find you?
0: So our website is weonlyfilmeveryone.com. We have some work samples just to, just to get a sense of the type of work we do and who we are. Mm -hmm. I'm all over LinkedIn, Maxwell Z Bentley. And of course we're talking about video. I'm on Instagram as well, Maxwell Z Bentley, same on both platforms. But yeah, anybody who maybe has a video idea or they're, maybe they're going through a rebrand or you have a product or a service that you're launching and you want a nice, concise way to let people know about it, I'd be very happy to talk and to see what we can accomplish. Great. Well, thank you, Max. Absolutely.
1: So you've all heard it here. A uh, couple of tips to, of a takeaway of just being consistent uh, being sometimes not afraid of being vulnerable and kind of connecting with your audience, with your prospect and with your clients. So for based on the theme, I would like to bring our guests uh, for the tail end of the show with kind of two universal questions. Since since we touched a little bit about personality, we, we got a little bit of, of Napoleon Dynamite. So the, the I, I, well, I don't want to just give away the answer or assume the answer. So the first question for our two guests would be, what is your firm's personality or rather, what do you want the public to view your firm's personality? Followed by what the second question is, what advice would you give our listeners on how they can find and or find their personality? So to give our uh, guests a little time to think over their answers, of course, this is the legal least portion of the show. Uh, this show is sponsored and brought to you by yours truly, Anthony Chen with A Lighthouse Financial Network. Securities and advisory services offered through Royal Alliance Associates, Inc., RAA, member FINRA, SIPC. RAA is separately owned and other entities and or marketing names, products, or services referenced here are independent of RAA. The main office address is at 575 Broad Hollow Road in Melville, New York, 11747. You can best reach me at 631 465 9090, extension 5075, or my email, which is just my full name, Anthony Chen, C H E N, at com, or connect with me on LinkedIn, which is, again, just my name, Anthony Chen, only one there uh, at Lighthouse Financial. So, bringing our two guests back. Again, the first question is What is your firm's personality? followed by, for our listeners, what advice would you give to our business owners who are, have, might not have not had the personality down pat, but how they can find and define their personality? Eric?
2: So Liger is large and in charge. And uh, we do a brand, we have a card sort exercise that we use with clients when we start off and it get them to define the four to five words that describe their brand and what they mean. Mm-hmm. And so one of my favorite words that we chose for Liger is we're cheeky. So we're okay to do the kind of the thing that you don't expect the word that you're not going to see those types of things. So, uh, we are hired. You talked a little bit about the difference between videographers and strategists. It's a difference in being hired for what you do and what you know. And so we're hired for what we know. We come in, we understand the strategy we're going to help you implement it. So Liger is not a weak brand. We are there to, uh, take names, tell you what to do and how to move forward. And if you're not into it, that's okay too. Like mm-hmm. that, that's, that's an okay thing. So for companies, do you want to answer the second mm-hmm. question? Yeah. For companies, it is difficult to do it for yourself. It just really is like, you know, you, your brand shows up in the room. Like all of us do, you know, Maxwell's very well, you know, all atone today. We know exactly who he is and what he's doing. So like, that's your, your kind of brand is the same way. So my example is I was running a business with another guy and he was the same age I was, made the same amount of money, but he was a Dunkin Donuts guy and I'm a Starbucks guy. And it's just about the brand. So getting your brand described, having someone from the outside come in and help you with it. If you can't get to that, getting people in a room and making them describe, like if your brand were a superhero, what would the superhero be? Or we love to play this game called cocktail party. And so we'll say, Hey, so if your brand showed up at a cocktail party with your competitors, your customers, what would it look like? How would it be dressed? And then we'd make them do a part two. And then mm-hmm. if it had a couple drinks, what gets emphasized, like what comes out uh, that's more strong, right? Because it's that second that you want, like you want something that that's visceral reaction, you know, talks too much, thinks too highly of themselves, whatever that is. That's the good stuff. Lean into that.
0: Mm-hmm. So to personify Bitly media, imagine a high school classroom, you know, you've got the class clown, you've got the class bully, you know, you've got, you know, the nerd, which is who I was for a while. And then you've got just like a really, you really good friend who's gonna, who's not afraid to be honest with you, mm-hmm. who's also wants you to succeed, who wants you to just win. And that's Bentley Media. It's, we have spent a lot of time asking our clients, like, what's wrong with video production? Like what's, what kind of issues have we, have you faced? Mm -hmm. And what I've heard over and over again is the big agencies are not very approachable or their video. I've also heard a lot of times that videographers are very flaky and that's because there's just a low barrier of entry Mm -hmm. to video with iPhones as advanced as they are, you could start a video company with an iPhone. And so we actually designed our brand, or I've been evolving, I should say. <laughs> it's, I'm giving myself too much credit to say I designed this from the start. That's not true. I've evolved it to a point that all our marketing materials address these pain points. And so, in fact, we have a 60-second animated explainer that says large agencies give you more than what you need. And low cost videographers, you know, your neighbor's nephew type are actually pretty flaky. (laughs) That's a direct line from the video. And so people watch it and they're like, oh my gosh, I feel like you're actually speaking to me. Mm -hmm. And that's what people need to do when, when they think about their brand and they think about their personality, you want to, through your and it's not just the logo, it's not just the colors, although all those things are important. It comes down to the core values, but ultimately the messaging and saying, okay, this is, here's our message, but testing that. And you test the message by having those conversations with your clients, with your prospect, and just asking about their experience with other industries, what their perceptions are, because then you can create a brand and effectively a personality Mm -hmm. that is unique and is different and that sets you apart.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, that leads to a follow up question for both of you, because you both were originally going to computer science majors and that was kind of, my plan originally as well. And then (laughs) I thought, all right, this is coding in notepad and compiling in DOS. Uh, I had nothing to complain because it was not fun. fun. But the the follow-up question is kind of branching outside of your original plan, particularly for our listeners, that's kind of sitting on the fence, whether they need to shift the business or maybe there's that idea in the back of their head, but they're too, well, I won't just use the word too comfortable, but hesitant getting off that fence because they've got mortgage data, kids got obligations to kind of take care of. What advice would you give to them to being confident, making that shift in gears of going off that plan that maybe someone was prescribed to them and they're living someone else's plan or they had an original plan and that just didn't really pan out. So how, how would you, what advice would you give to our listeners?
2: So uh, I'm probably the worst person in the world to ask that question because I'm the biggest risk taker on the face of the planet, but I think it's much riskier to work for someone else. They are in charge of your salary. They can fire you tomorrow. They, like, I just, why would you do that? Why would you get up every morning and go to work for someone else? I know I've got employees. So they're all going to listen to this, like, great. But, <laughs> yeah, I'm taking his advice. <laughs> yeah, I mean, seriously. So I think you're in less control. Mm-hmm. You think you're in control, but we've been watching what's been going on with the tech, and mm-hmm. I've been through that. Like, I've been through that several times. This is not the first time that we've, like, annihilated the tech space, you mm-hmm. know? Like, so I... I it's just as risky to to bet on yourself. At least you're in charge and you're the reason who there's the problem, right? Like I, it, it bothers me much when there's leadership of a company and then the company fails and the people who suffer, the people who were in the company, you know, like I'd much rather be in charge. Mm-hmm. I'm a control freak and, I just don't know how to have it. I'm unemployable. That's oh. it. I'm literally <laughs> unemployable. So it's been just the thing. And I, I and it is risky, and I do all kinds of kind of crazy stuff in that space, but I don't think it's any less risky than working for someone.
0: Mm-hmm. One of the problems we have, especially in the U.S., is our public education system doesn't champion Amen. risk-taking. Amen. We don't Absolutely. champion original. We don't really champion original thought. I mean, <laughs> we champion being a factory worker because that's how our public school system was designed in the Industrial Revolution. Mm-hmm. And so to suggest, hey, what if you built equity in your own brand? It feels a bit taboo. It feels a little bit pie in the sky. It's like, I, that's like wanting to be famous. Like, why would I take a risk doing that? As they get up and punch the clock or a company that they may not like, and maybe get a week of vacation every year. And I've said this, I've spoken to universities and high school classrooms about this, waking up every day, or at least Monday through Friday, (laughs) waking up and oftentimes, I, I mean, I wake up sometimes without an alarm because I'm so excited about what I'm doing to be able to wake up and do something that you love mm-hmm. is one of life's greatest gifts and we all owe that chance to ourselves even if we fall flat on our face. Mm-hmm. And to your point Anthony about obligations, well some people have families and mortgages and they they already work full time like where so if you have an hour in the evening you have time to work on a side hustle.
2: Yeah, it's the Gary Vee thing: work work for someone else from nine to five, and for yourself from five to nine. Yeah.
0: Right. And if you've got a nine to five, that's there's security in that because you know at the end of the month your bills are getting paid. Mm-hmm. But if you have some free time to try something new and get yourself out of your comfort zone, and not an ex- not necessarily an extreme way, but in a way that is, hey, I'm. I'm doing some additional, I'm extra consulting on the side. I'm doing one-on-ones on the side. I've been working in this marketing agency for 20 years. Set up a session with me and ask me anything you, you want to know about marketing. And here's the rate per hour. And just see what happens from that. And you'll find you might be pleasantly surprised.
1: Well, thank you. And then kind of wrapping up with one last tip, because there's a the term consistency that's been used around. So, for our listeners closing out, what would be the one thing you found that is absolutely essential in your business to be consistent for you to be successful?
2: Well, as a leader of my business, I have to be consistent. Mm. So if I'm not consistent, no one else will be. Mm. So it's it's talking the, you know, it's walking the talk. Like I got to get up every day. I got to go do the thing. I got to show up to the meeting. I got to do the things I'm asking everybody else to do. If mm-hmm. I don't do it, they're not going to do it. Yeah. So I, you hear that all the time. Leaders are like, oh, they won't do it. I'm like, do you do it? No? Well, there you go. Mm -hmm.
0: I would say understanding the importance of risk. And there's calculated risk, and then there's stupid risk. You can go with a $100 bill to a penny slot machine in Las Vegas, pull it for two, three, four hours. Maybe you get something back. Maybe not. Probably not, though. Mm -hmm. Take that same $100 and put it towards an asset like a brand or your company or a networking event where you, your clients, where you know your clients are going to be, your potential clients are going to be, yeah, it might be a risk. hundred dollars might feel like a risk, but if you're not taking risks, if you're not getting yourself out of that comfort zone, you're going to stay in one place, which is, I've read over and over and over again from various gurus and figures that taking no risk is the biggest risk. It's a decision. Yep. And it's, it's a muscle too. You can go from being totally non risky
1: to learning how to take smart risks. Well, thank you for those words of wisdom. Again, kind of closing it out. How can our listeners find you?
2: Eric. Right. LigerPartners.com or on LinkedIn, Eric Holt Squad. Right.
0: Yeah. We are online at weonlyfilmeveryone.com. And on LinkedIn or Instagram, Max will like the coffee, Z is in Zulu, Bentley like the car. Well, well thank you both. Thanks so much.
1: Thanks, yeah. Anthony. Now for a little section called Anthony's Financial Take, uh, as you've kind of heard from our two wonderful guests is talking about risk and being consistent. So what does that uh, work in the financial planning world? At the end of the day, it's not just enough saving or, or cutting X amount of expense for one time only. You've got to be consistent and regarding to chasing one's particular goals and risk. Well, what is risk? Well, kind of stealing uh, a line from out of max. It's if I'm going to be investing a hundred dollars, is it better that I do that at a casino or the roulette table or putting it in some other sound uh, investment that I know I'm going to be able to make a return. And it doesn't of course have to be an investment per se, but investing in one's skill sets, leveling up one's professionalism, maybe going spending that out to a networking event. I mean, I kind of touched upon this in a previous episode where one's net worth is matched to what their network is. So when talking about financial planning or investments or leveling up one's net worth, there's more than just the dollar signs. There's those intangibles that really help improve one's career prospects or business prospects. And that's a little bit of Anthony's financial take. Thank you for listening to Family Business Radio.